if you could change one thing about your physical appearance, what would it be? Maybe you wish you were taller or shorter. Maybe you wish you could put on some muscle or lose some weight, maybe both. Maybe you wish you had a different kind of hair or a different nose or a different smile. For me, for the longest time, it would be my eyesight. Um, I hate how I look in glasses. Okay, now you guys may not care about this, but just to be honest with you, this is actually a bigger deal than I would care to admit that I am preaching in glasses. Uh, I don't think I've ever been on a stage before in glasses on purpose. Uh, I found out how to get glasses when I was in the fifth grade, and I cried. Like, full-on meltdown, I'm glad nobody had a camera around, meltdown, cried. Because I assumed that if I got glasses, I would be excluded and unpopular for the rest of my life. Okay, I got there really fast as a fifth grader. Like, that was my thought. The thing is, I was already a lot physically smaller than all of my classmates. And so I went from being the little kid to now I'd be the little nerdy kid with glasses. And that's what happened for a while. In junior high, uh, I wanted to be the eighth grade guy that all the seventh grade guys looked up to and all the seventh grade girls wanted to hold hands with. I wasn't. His name was Alex. He was a really cool dude, and I was a little nerdy kid with glasses. But I was friends with some of those guys. And I can remember something that was said to me at a church camp. It was a junior high church camp, and a kid named Dylan, who was a popular dude, said these words. Reed, you know, if you got a haircut and you got rid of your glasses, you wouldn't be a bad-looking dude. It was like the most underhanded compliment you could possibly ever give someone. But like in that moment, there was nothing I wanted more than to get rid of my glasses. Because like now I had proof that the reason I wasn't the popular eighth grade guy was the glasses. So I got contacts, and it turns out glasses weren't the problem. That just wasn't it. But I still don't like how I look in glasses. Uh, even just a couple of months ago, I was in bed for the night. A friend texted, asked if I wanted to FaceTime but before I took that FaceTime call, I got up, I took my glasses off, I put my contacts in, and I crawled back in bed like I had already been there uh, because I didn't want this person to see me in glasses. Like, I, I just don't like it. Uh, I think they make my face look fatter. I think they can show that my ears aren't level because they're not. But the reality is it's deeper than I would like to admit. And we'll get there later. But what is it for you? What is that thing that if you could change, you would? Maybe it's something physical, but sometimes it's a lot deeper than that. Maybe it's a part of your story that you wish didn't exist and you hope people don't find out about. Maybe it's something you did you regret or something that was done to you that you can't shake. Or maybe it's a fear you live with for the future or even a fear that haunts you today, just like it did yesterday and the day before that. Insecurity sucks. Like, we all have it. We all have to deal with it. There are things in our lives that cause us to experience insecurity. And it can rob us of so much. It can rob us of memories, of experiences, of joy. Man, I don't want to be insecure. Y'all don't want to be insecure. I don't believe God wants us to have minds and thought processes that are dominated by insecurity. Jesus said that he came so we could have life and life to the fullest. And I believe that with that also comes a different approach to almost every area of life. 
including our thought processes and even insecurity. So Jesus' heart isn't that we would have minds that are dominated by insecurity, but here we are. So what do we do about it? And we have to fight it. It's not something that's just going to naturally change. But I do believe with all my heart that it's something that can change. So instead of us just continuing with life as normal, as we've always experienced it, instead of us passively surrendering to the lies, doubts, insecurities, and negative thought spirals that naturally occur in our brain, my hope is that this year, you and I, you would choose to believe what God says about you. That we would actively choose to believe what God says about us. Here's the deal. We can't always control the thoughts that spring into our minds, and we can't control the past events, traumas, and circumstances that created some of those thought patterns that naturally come to our minds. But we can learn what God says, and we can actively choose to believe what God says about us rather than the thoughts that are naturally in our heads. There's a verse that comes to mind for this. It's Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's heart and his ability is to even change our thought processes. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Okay, just because God wants something with us, he invites us to participate in it with him, that doesn't make it a cakewalk. But it does mean it's possible. And that as we want to grow, we want to grow in that direction. Because insecurity is so dangerous, and it can rob us of so much, we have to learn how to fight it. And I'm using that word intentionally, actively fight it. And here's how we're going to do that. First, we have to name our thoughts, right? We have to recognize and identify what our insecure thoughts are. Then we trace them to their roots. See, our insecurities are often rooted in needs and desires that are deeper than the thoughts that surface. And once we do that, then we have to learn what God says about our deepest needs. And even once we know what he says, then we have to choose to believe what God says about us. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of walk through how we do this. We want to name our thoughts. We want to trace them to their roots. We want to learn what God says about our deepest needs and then actively choose to believe what God says about us. So naming our thoughts, okay? We can have insecurities that we haven't fully identified. You can feel anxious or on edge about something and not really know why. But if we're going to get to the heart of this, we have to start by naming the thoughts, You can't fight an enemy that you can't identify. Now, we've talked that I'm insecure about how I look in glasses. We'll go a little deeper there in a minute. I'll give you another one. Uh, I hate how my voice sounds in recordings, okay? Like, honestly, I wish my voice was deeper. When I'm up here, I project a little bit, um, just for the sake of clarity. But I mean, I could really go way deeper. Like, I could talk like I finally hit puberty. I won't, it's not real, and that felt very uncomfortable to even do that, but the reality is my voice naturally is higher than I would like it to be, and I become acutely aware of that whenever I send somebody a voice memo or I record a video and send it to someone. I don't want to tell you the number of times that I have re-recorded voice memos or videos because I heard my voice play, and I thought that the voice sounded like less of a man 
because of the decibel and just the pitch that I had. It's just the honest truth. Like, I have re-recorded a lot of stuff. I'm Gen Z, which means among other things, I don't check my voicemail. Um, but if you were to call me, uh, one, I wouldn't answer because that would be rude. I'm up here with y'all. And two, uh, you would go to voicemail and you would get a voicemail that is not genuine because it's me speaking in a much deeper voice. Uh, honestly, what I have to say is great. If you call me, you go to voicemail, you're going to hear me begging you to please just text me or email me and not leave the voicemail. Uh, if you need a New Year's resolution, 2022 can be your year. No more voicemails, all right? I believe in us. We can do this. The reality is I am insecure about how I look in glasses. I am insecure about how my voice sounds, especially in recordings. So here's what we're going to do. There's some cards in front of you. I want you to write down your three biggest insecurities. I want you to turn to your neighbor. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, there's no way y'all would do that. I do believe everyone can benefit from professional counseling, myself included, but I'm not trying to make our therapy bills higher today, okay? So you don't need to talk to them, talk about your insecurities with your neighbor, but it is helpful for you to be able to articulate and identify what our insecure thoughts are. And then once we do that, we then choose to trace it to the root. See, our insecurities are rooted in needs and desires that are deep. These are natural, these are normal, but they are deep-rooted needs and desires that when we don't meet them the correct way can lead to insecurity. Just before Christmas, I took a trip to Texas to spend some time with family. When I was there, I went to uh, my grandparents' house, so granddad and Clarice, and always have a blast there, and uh, they've got a great house, lots of happy memories, and also very consistent memory through the years, and it's going out on the back porch, and it's covered in these little spike balls, okay? So spike balls look like this, uh, a botanist would tell you that those are the seeds from a sweet gum tree, but anyone who has ever stepped on one will tell you they're little spike balls of mass destruction, okay? And they're everywhere. And Claire deals with this. Uh, she'll take a big bucket and she'll load them up in the bucket, and then depending on how her day is going, she'll either take it and put it in the trash or she'll actually just chuck the whole thing over the fence into the neighbor's yard, okay? Claire's is feisty. It's just what happens. But she's not unjust. See, the thing is, those are problematic. But the real problem is a tree in said neighbor's yard that has a branch that hangs over Granddad and Clarice's backyard that continuously drops those seeds. See where I'm going with this? Until they deal with the tree and its roots, which is unfortunately in the neighbor's yard, they're going to continue to deal with the fruit of that tree, which is a little spike balls of mass destruction. Same principle for us. Our insecurities are problematic but they are not the deeper need. The deeper problem that we have to deal with are the roots of those insecurities. Our insecurities are rooted in natural, deep desires and needs that we have. They're not wrong, they're neutral. It's like our desire for acceptance, for love, for security, for stability, for success, for value. We all have these needs and desires how we meet them can be right or wrong and can lead to security or insecurity. So, how do we deal with that, right? First, you have to identify what your insecurity is, but then you go deeper and you trace it to the root. My dislike for how I look in glasses, my insecurity about how I look in glasses is tied 
to my desire for acceptance. Like, that is the root of that insecurity. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I was afraid that if I became the little nerdy kid in glasses, I wouldn't be included with my friends with things. And that stuck with me to junior high. In junior high, I didn't exactly have girls lining up to date me. I think I had about a 30-minute relationship on a bus coming back from a church camp one time. Uh, we met, we hit it off, we got past the honeymoon stage, and we mutually called it quits before most people knew we were dating. Uh, relationships are hard. Discover that early on. But I was insecure because I wasn't as accepted or included as some of my peers were. And then even now, like just to be completely honest with you guys, uh, I almost didn't wear my glasses this morning, even though I planned on wearing them on purpose because I don't like it. Because they don't fit the image of myself that I want you to believe. It's just true. I want to be desired and wanted and accepted, and you guys probably couldn't care less, but in my mind, based on how I grew up, especially the experiences I've had, I don't want you to see me in glasses because it doesn't fit the image of myself I want you to believe. It is tied to a root desire for acceptance and the fear that I won't be. We all have to do this. We have to take our thoughts and then go deeper. Now, we just did a little bit of open heart surgery on me specifically, but what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about some common insecurities that people have and then the roots that they could be. Now, whether what I'm about to say is you or not, it's up to you to do the hard work to then trace your thoughts to those roots. Maybe some of your insecurities are tied to that desire for acceptance as well. It might be physical, wanting to look a certain way so that you're accepted, but maybe it's intangible. It could be wanting to be perceived as smart enough or as funny enough so that you think you're accepted by your friends or your peers. Or you could even have a physical insecurity that's tied not to desire for acceptance, but to value. What if you find your value and your sense of worth in the fact that you're beautiful? What if it's a sense of worth and value not in your appearance, but in your financial status? Like you think, because I make six figures, I am valuable as a person. Or because I only make 30000 I am not valuable as a person. Or it could be financial, but maybe it's not a root cause of value. Maybe it's a root cause of stability and security. Right? Like, we place our hope for a better future in how much we have in a bank account, or our fear for the future based on how much we don't have in a bank account. And then our insecurities come up with stability. Or we could have securities, specifically insecurities, tied to stability not because of economics, but because of relationships. This happens when we look to a person to meet that emotional stability in our lives as a source of love. And then if that person's not there, or you never find that person to start with, there's an insecurity and an instability that comes with that. Acceptance, value, security, love. Like these are good things. But if we place our security for these desires in people, places, or things that could change, we will find ourselves with insecurity. Acceptance is a good thing, but rejection by others will always be an option. Being valued, again, it's a good thing, but the criteria that people use to assign that value changes. Security and stability, they're nice. Come on, we just lived through the last couple of years together. Those are elusive. And then love. 
if we're pursuing that as a feeling, I love can always break your heart. Our world's natural solutions to these natural desires are temporary. As a buddy of mine says, confidence in anything temporary is temporary. But the good news is that there's still hope. See, God cares about our deepest needs and desires. And so once we name our thoughts and then we trace them to the roots, then we learn what God says about our deepest needs and desires. Learn what God says about your deepest needs and desires. See, God loves you so much that he doesn't just care about the deep needs and desires that lead to our insecurities, but about the deepest need that we have in our life. I don't know if you grew up in church and maybe you followed and served and loved Jesus longer than I've been alive, or maybe it's your first time here, it's New Year, new you, you're going to give this thing a shot, or it's your partner's New Year, new them, and you're dragged with them, right? Like, I don't know your story, wherever you are, in the room or online, I believe that God cares about your deepest needs and desires. And he proved it when he sent his son, Jesus, who was fully God and fully man at the same time to live a perfect life and then die a death he didn't deserve so that we could have a relationship with him. See, we all fall short of a perfect standard, something called sin, and that separates us from God. And what we deserve as a result of that is separation from God permanently, even death. And so our deepest need in life it's not to feel accepted. It's not to feel loved. Like our deepest need in life was to be rescued. And God did that, and he made it possible for us to have a relationship with him. And so by transferring our trust from ourselves and our ability to be good enough or just not be bad enough that we could get to heaven, uh, our deepest need was met when Jesus died so that by putting our trust in him instead of our own ability, we could have a relationship with God that starts now and lasts forever. And if you make that choice, to trust in Jesus instead of yourself, in that moment, everything about your life will begin to change. Now, there's some behavior that changes over time, but in that moment, like at the very core of who you are, your identity changes. Uh, there's a verse that talks about this. It's John 1.12. It says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a phrase like a child, child of God. We may have heard it before in church, just on social media, uh, that is actually an identity shift. Instead of our identity being separated from God, our identity becomes a child of God. Like, that changes everything, even how we approach insecure thoughts. All right, and here's why. Because at the core of who we are, we change, and we go from separated from God to in relationship with him. And then God begins to meet or allow us through him to have our deepest needs and desires met differently instead of how we were already approaching it. Now we have new options, more or less. We talked earlier about this desire for acceptance, right? A lot of our insecurities come from that. So instead of us trying to find it in other people, God gives us a different way to view our acceptance. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So not just acceptance, but here, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So instead of just being tolerated or just barely accepted, no, no, we get to be adopted. We get to be brought in. That's perfect acceptance. What, what about acceptance? Okay, what about value, right? Instead of us having to, like, fight and claw for a sense of worth and value based on what we can accomplish, God gives that to us. He gives us intrinsic value. Genesis 127 
So, so God created human beings in his own image. Instead of what we can accomplish or what we fail to accomplish, what we do or what happens to us, we are just given value and worth and dignity because God made us. What about security and stability? Like, we crave those. God gives those to us too. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither, check out this insecurity, our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And we are given a security and a stability, not by the strength of our arms or the skill of our minds, but by the fact that God loves us and there's nothing that he is not king over. That's where our stability comes from. And love. Like, we all want to be loved. More than a lot of us would even want to admit out loud, but we were made to be loved. And then God loves us perfectly. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Love initiates. Love pursues. And then God did that. God loves us perfectly. His love doesn't abandon us. It doesn't forsake us. It doesn't give up on us. He always initiates. He always pursues us. Like, he loves us perfectly and faithfully, no matter what. God provides for our deepest needs and desires. But we have a choice. See, we can try to meet our deepest needs and desires how we always have. We can do it naturally. We can try and find our acceptance and our value and other people and what they think of us. We can try and find security in our bank accounts or the circumstances that we can control. We can try and find love in a purpose or in a passion. Or we can allow God to meet the deepest needs that we have. But it requires making a choice. So once you name your thoughts and you trace them to their roots, those deep needs and desires that they stem from, you learn what God says about them, then you have to choose to believe what God says about you. Sometimes you have to choose this again and again. Because once we learn what God says, it's up to us to choose to believe it. If we don't do this, then it doesn't actually transform us. It doesn't transform our minds or our behaviors. Uh, Somebody could tell me that I've got food in my beard. But if I ignore them, then my behavior and my circumstances in life, it doesn't actually change, right? If you tell me that, I ignore you, nothing changes. You can read your Bible, you can Google, you can hang out with us here at the Ridge. Like You can learn what God says about you, but if you don't choose to actively believe it, then it doesn't change you. And sometimes this is the hardest part because changing the direction of our thoughts is not easy, okay? It is physically difficult. It is biologically difficult. Did you know that when you think a thought, your brain changes and makes it physically easier for you to think that thought again? So if you worry consistently about something, it actually gets easier for you to worry about that again. Or if you have a specific insecure thought and you dwell on it, then it actually becomes physically easier for you to dwell on that again. This is why the negative thought patterns that we can become trapped in are so prevalent. Because once you think something, it becomes physically easier to think it again. Your neural synapses get closer together. Your brain physically changes. But the good news is true about moving towards health as well. See, because when we choose to believe what God says about us the first, second, and third time, then it's easier to do that the fourth time. And our brain more naturally goes there the fifth or the sixth time. But it is still a process. We still have to again and again choose to believe what God says about us. The more we do it, the more naturally it'll come to us. 
But here's what I want for us, okay? I want this for me personally. I want this for you whenever you're watching this right now in the room or online. This is a new year. We've got a chance at a fresh start. We all bring insecurities with us, but we can choose to fight them, and we can fight them together. But here's how. We name our thoughts. We trace them to their roots. We learn what God says about our deepest needs, and then we choose to believe what God says about us again and again, as many times as it takes. I'd like to pray for us. Dad, thanks for giving us the right and the option to call you dad. Thanks for adopting us into your family, giving us that perfect love and acceptance that we don't deserve and we can't earn on our own. We've got a lot of insecurities. And we try and meet our deep needs and desires and people, places, or things that can change. It's not what we want to do. We're asking for some help right now. Would you transform our minds? Would you change how we think? Would you help us do this? Would you help us learn and then believe what you say about us? We're not going to get there without your help, but we want it. Help us right now to choose to believe what you say about us. We love you and we trust you. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. My friends are about to play a song called You Say by Lauren Daigle. If you know it, you are more than welcome to sing along. But even if you don't, Here's what I'm asking for us, is take this as a moment to reflect and to respond, both to the insecurities that we all naturally have in our minds, but then start to identify them, start to trace them to what is the root need or desire that you think it stems from. Listen to what the song says. It says a lot about what God says about us. And then as you worship, as you sing, or even as you just listen, actively choose to believe what God says about you.